when I'm out in the public or I'm doing shopping or I'm going for coffee, I want to be able to finish my sentences. I want to be understood without being humiliated or dismissed. I want to be able to talk and express my opinions and feelings openly without being ridiculed or told to hurry up. Because we're all human means we're all equal. Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission. Learn more at ihrec.ie. Who knows more about Munster Rugby, me or you, Quinny? Everyone has an opinion, don't they? Some of the opinions are waffle, but I'd like to think I know a lot. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in. All right, Brian O'Driscoll is with us this evening. How are you keeping, Brian? Really good, Nathan. Really good. If you're listening on Thursday, well done. You are getting this exclusively first on the OTB Sports app. If you're listening after Thursday, well, where have you been? Because you need to download the OTB Sports app. You get Brian O'Driscoll exclusively first dibs, the hottest takes, the hottest takes first. That's what we get right here, isn't it? These are the ultra spicy hot wings. Who wants to wait 24 hours for hot off the press? No, this is this is the modern world. People want right now. If you want to get the app, just get on to the App Store or the Play Store. Search for OTB Sports app. And you will get it there. Subscribe to all our rugby. We are entering rugby season. So there's going to be a lot of it to come your way over the next one. As I say, you get Brian exclusively 24 hours before everybody else. So... The Ireland squad for the November Internationals was announced today by Andy Fowle. There's three games coming up uh, against Japan on the 6th of November, then the All Blacks on November 13th, and finishing up against Argentina on the 21st of November, all at the Aviva Stadium. All we now know in front of a packed house at the Aviva Stadium as well. The standout lines, Simon Zebo is back. First squad since he went off to France. Uh, first squad since June 2017 for Simon Zebel. Two on-cap players, Leinster hooker Dan Sheehan is in and centre Kieran Frawley in the 38-man squad. Robert Balakoon, Harry Byrne, Gavin Coombs, James Hume, Tom O'Toole, Nick Timoney, they all won their first caps back in July in the summer test. They're all included again. Uh, Thomas O'Hearn and Jamie Osborne, they're in the development squad and I guess all eyes were on, as always, the out-halves. It is Johnny Sexton, Joey Carberry, and Harry Byrne, which means there's no place really for the three pretenders of the last couple of years, Ross Byrne, Billy Burns, and Jack Carthy. That's the headline news from this squad. Uh, it, what, what's the main takeaway for you, Brian? I, I, I'm not surprised. I really am not surprised um, for, you know, what I'm going to say will split opinion massively. Um Jack Carty has played well at the weekend for sure. Played reasonably well. Played okay in the in their loss to Dragons um, a couple of weeks ago. But I feel as though he's not he's not in the reckoning with Andy Farrell, and he's going to have to be the standout number ten in Ireland. And many people argue he's the second best ten in Ireland on current form, and maybe they're right. Um, but I just feel as though he's done the working backwards 
um, Andy Farrell has from the World Cup in two years' time. I just don't think he sees Jack Carty as part of a squad. Um, can he play his way into it? I, I don't know. I think a lot will have to go his way. But he's earmarked Harry Byrne, obviously. There's been um, a couple of false starts with him. Joey Carberry was heir to the throne and it just hasn't quite transpired and picked up for him since his um, long layoff. And ultimately, you know, the captain, Johnny Sexton, is still our best number 10. So I'm not... Geez, I really don't want to spend selection. another 20 minutes discussing no. Johnny Sexton. We won't do Johnny. We'll but, pass by but, him. But, but so we... I, I, we can assume that if Johnny Sexton's fit, he will be the starting out half against the All Blacks, which is the crucial one of these three games, yes? You would think so. You would think so, because you've got to pick your best players. I just don't know if you can... The other thing as well, Joey Carberry has played against the All Blacks a couple of times and won. Mm. And so it's not a case that, um, you know, you've got to give him that, you know, that sort of depth of, um, of, of quality opposition. He, you know, he's played in those games before. I just feel that from a confidence building point of view and a t- from a team perspective, that you will need your best players and your best 15 against the All Blacks. And that's why I think Johnny will be picked. And then the others, the other two um, will be probably, will we'll start in each of the other two tests and then might get a half. So if you look at Joey starting against Japan, you might see, you know, Harry Byrne getting half an hour or uh, vice versa in the Argentina game. Whereas, you know, with Johnny Sexton, what you're getting, pick him, keep him fresh for the all black game. And then you got to select him over the course of, of the year on, in important games and pick and choose certain um, pinpointers of over the course of the season that you feel are, are going to be relevant to enhancing the team and keeping Johnny Sexton happy and fresh. It doesn't feel as though the conversation around the out half spot has progressed since two years out from the last World Cup where Johnny Sexton was the main man and we thought Joey Carberry was the emerging force and then there was a rotation of players. Andy Farrell must be as frustrated as anybody when he looks at the chances that Ross Byrne has had, Billy Burns has had and Jack Carthy has had that none of them have grabbed that opportunity. Between the three of them they have 30 caps. Yeah, it has to be frustrating because all you can do is choose from the players that present themselves. And you have to remember the likes of Kieran Frawley, he's breaking through late. I know he's a, he's probably down as a 12, but he played 10 too. Harry Byrne, like I said, it's it's been a stuttery start. Um, you know, a year ago, lots of us were, were championing him and it just hasn't quite panned out for him. Ben Healy's kind of slipped up on, you know, the inside lane on Joey Carberry and all of a sudden there were question marks as to whether Joey... Um, you know, legitimized having a space um, in this squad. But I think on the basis of pure talent and pure potential of, over the next couple of years, I think he's picked the three best out halves that I feel will consistently be the best um, producers of the game he wants to produce. Um, does it mean that they're, you know, particularly in Joey and, and Harry's case, can they... Are they still occasionally prone to a four or five out of ten? Maybe. I haven't seen enough Harry. Joey, I don't know if he's four or five, but he just hasn't hit that lofty heights that he had before his serious injury. And he must be very frustrated. Um, but it's not a, we know it's not a like for like number 10 either. He's not Johnny Sexton. He's got to have his own style and his own way too. And, and it's going to be very difficult for him to be able to properly do that until Johnny Sexton is actually a thing of the past. So where there's, there's a legacy piece, you know, when your captain is, um, is the, is the incumbent out half and it's, it's, it can't be an easy place for those guys coming through. But I think 
with regard to definitely Ross Byrne and Billy Burns, they've had their opportunities and it hasn't quite worked out for them. And Jack Carty, many will say, got a raw, raw deal because one bad performance or one disappointed performance against Japan has really scarred um, the memories of this coaching ticket and, and they're afraid to go back there again. There's a lot of exciting options in that back line when you look at some of the newer faces, like Kieran Frawley, James Hume, uh, Robert Balakun back in again, the return is evil. But with the cancellation of the USA game and the fact that so many of the Lions players haven't played yet, some of them will return again this weekend with no Robbie Henshaw and the spectre of the All Blacks coming to town. Is this actually a November series where it's, it's okay for Andy Farrell to play it safe, to play conservative, to go back to what you know? I, th- I think his hands might potentially be forced in a few positions. I think, um, you know, depending on what comes of injury, you have to remember as well, we've still got a couple of weeks to go, you know, plenty plenty of game time before we actually get into picking from a clean slate. And there's no doubt there'll be changes within that squad. On the, I think you can mix things up over the course of, of this November series. I think you're entitled to try some options and look at giving a little bit more game time to guys that feel you will see in the 33-man squad. Um, this is the opportunity to do it more so than Six Nations, certainly in the first and third games against uh, Japan and, and Argentina. But would you be shocked against the All Blacks if you saw a centre pairing of Bundiaki and, and Gary Ringrose? No. Um, maybe if Robbie Henshaw does get back fit with from that knee injury, that he, you know you might see him force his way in there and to the exclusion of Gary potentially. The wings again, you're looking at Keith Earls. You know if he's fit, um, Hugo Keenan's going to be foot fifteen. Will Simon Zebo maybe force his way into the reckoning? I'm really interested to see what comes in the next few weeks because. Again, you know you have to remember that Zibo, Simon Zebo wasn't selected under Joe Schmidt, but Andy Farrell was a part of that too. And I don't know what um, Andy Farrell's opinion of Simon Zebo is, whether he's his sort of player, whether he's a guy that he feels works hard enough. Like he was very quiet at the weekend, didn't feel as though he went looking for enough work. Um, you know, contrary to the to the uh, two Connacht wingers who got themselves involved a huge amount. So I think sometimes you know, coaches cast an opinion as to how a particular player is. And if they fall into a certain bracket, it might be hard for them to get themselves out of there. And I've, I've seen it in the past. So we'll have to wait and see how that one unfolds. But it is good to see Simon Zebo back in an Ireland. He has the X factor that every time he gets the ball down in Thelman Park, we're, we're anticipating something can potentially happen. And you want as many of those types of players in your team. Um, Where do you want Zebo still- playing? I think he. I think for, before I say that, I think he could still look a little bit fitter. I think he's he's still he's big, um, he's bulky. He's always had a big frame, but I would, I just feel as though the potential to still just trim down a small bit, and I don't think he'll lose anything. I think you see the benefits of of what's happened with some of the English guys with Benny Vernapolo, um, Tuolagi has has lost five or six kilos and he looks in the shape of his life and yet he's still a beast. So I think Simon Zebo still has that potential um, just from the outside. And that's just, you know, working on a, on, on, on the um, naked eye. Um, can so, I just ask on that? Because that, that, that can often be taken as you know, Zebo's maybe slightly overweight for his position. Is that something when you look at a player who's carrying that bit of bulk that is coming from the management that they want him 
that bit heavier that they want him to be able to take a bit more? And sometimes the game, if you remember, the game goes through cycles, and and at different times you need to be a bit heavier, and 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 at the moment it's a bit more of an aerobic game, and that's why I would say it. Maybe four, five, six years ago, Simon Zebo could have gotten away with carrying that little bit more, bit more mass. Whereas it does feel as though the the, the mileage that the back three players in particular are covering it would benefit him just to be a little bit trimmer. And um, I, I don't know, you know, that's, listen, like, like I said, I, I'm not seeing not seeing him getting fat tested or all the caliper testing or all of everything, Texas scans and all that good stuff that goes with um, your preseason. But just on, on having watched him in France, he does look as though he's trimmed down a little bit since his French days, but I think he did need to. But I, I would love to just see him a little bit leaner and maybe just getting through a little bit more work because there's no doubt that there's a, an insane talent there and you want your best players getting on the ball as much as possible. I just sometimes wonder, does he come in and out of games and is it based on a, on an inferior fitness level to others that he's competing in the same position with? He does give Andy Farrell options as well in the three-game series and that he can play in the wing or he can play at full-back. And listening to Monday Night Rugby with Matt Williams and Jerry Thorley, they were, there was a feeling he was maybe being wasted out in the left wing, that actually the best thing for Zebo and Munster is to have him at full-back. Where do you want to see him? You want to see, Like I said, you want to see him getting as many touches and you, you get that at full-back. So what he does, he's a bit... He's a bit I, don't, I don't want to draw the comparison to Rob Carney, but one thing the two of them did the same was even if the decision was wrong to counterattack. They always broke the first tackle. They very rarely ran up dark alleys and they waited for the cavalry to arrive. That said, Zebo was a, a, was a, a, I would say, was a better uh, counterattacker than, than Rob Carney and an ability to um, change direction, not lose speed when he did so, um, and then link play as well. Um, you know, it's it's part and parcel of what he did really well, and he loved to express himself. He wasn't a kicking fullback, so you want him to get as many touches as you possibly can. And I think that's where all the stat statisticians come into it. When you do look at the GPS um, mileage that these players are covering, it it does prove a point that from a positional sense and from getting yourself back into the game or working hard around the corner it was a brilliant example. I saw Murray Kinsella put it up on um, on his social media at the weekend where Jonathan Davis, I know they only scored a couple of tries against Leinster, but Jonathan Davis worked from one side of the field right around to the corner and, and created the extra man with really quick hands. And he was very late getting there, but and he got it for a fraction of a second and flicked it on, but that was the difference in scoring tries. That's what you want from your fullback. Jordan Larmer is excellent at doing it. Hugo Keenan is excellent at doing it. Andrew Conway is very busy on working both sides. Keith Earls is busy getting off his wing as well. So that only comes from having a really big engine. And I think it's something that Stuart Lancaster has worked endlessly and timesly with um, with his Leinster players in doing and I think that's really reaped a lot of rewards and you know I go back to that point Lee Halfpenny used to be brilliant at it and I'm sure Jonathan Davis has read it as a result of that Rob Haley used to hammer you've got to work around the corner create the extra man you're the difference if you can bust a gut getting around a corner you can create a two two on two into a three on two and that can be the difference between scoring a crucial try or not so these are all small little things that coaches will be aware of but maybe you know us sitting and watching at home mightn't be as as relevant of but that is the difference sure. between players getting selected and not 
I don't know if there's any real bolters in this squad. Nathan Doak was the one who has been spoken about during the week. He's not in the couple of players who are part of the development squad will be around either. 19 years of age. Just feels like he's an absolute sensation at scrum half. You surprised not to see him there that they didn't get him in as quickly as possible considering the talent that he seems to have? So, what, what 22 years ago when I was um, breaking onto the scene, if Nathan Doak had shown that... Um, quality and calibre, even in his first two or three uh, provincial games, he'd probably find his way into the squad. But I think I think they they definitely will be getting excited about the prospect of him. But he is 19 years of age. He does need a little bit of minding. The modern game is different than it was in 99, where it's you see the maturity of players breaking into the international stage really kind of coming at 23 24 very few players you know make it make it in and, and stay the course at 19 20 years of age anymore and such is the competitiveness of the game so i feel as though it's probably the right selection he's got hardly any games uh, any rugby under his belt at this level and internationals a different step up it might have been nice to have seen him in a in a camp just to give him a little bit of exposure, but I think there's going to be plenty of time for that as well. And, um, and so, yeah, I think he will definitely be, you know, he should have a focus towards the six nations as, um, uh, you know, a goal to try and find himself into that, into that bigger squad, whether he gets game time then or not, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that is achievable when he has seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games under his belt. When we talk about Sexton, you mentioned David Carver. He's not Johnny Sexton. When we talk about Conor Murray and the next in line, Nathan Doak, does he have a similar skill set watching the box kicks the last night? He certainly looked pretty comfortable with them. Yeah, listen, we don't want to, to typecast a, a guy of 19 years of age. Now, you should remember, young guys coming in, he's being told a game plan and, and told certain tactics around the park at certain times, kick the ball away. But it's his awareness and his and his bravery. He's, you know, there's a couple of tries that he's scored. He's in the right place at the right time. Not afraid to have a have a go. And um, you know, understanding good support lines. And um, you know, the defensive side of things. I need to see more of his game there. That's where he can learn a huge amount from watching the likes of Connor Murray and and Luke McGrath in particular. I think they're two of the better defensive scrum halves so of understanding where to plug holes and being able to read defenses um, as the play unfolds in front of them. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm 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 really I, I I'm, it's understandable that they're getting so excited up up north about it. I think the rest of the country is getting excited too because we know Conor Murray won't go on forever. Jason, Jameson Gibson Park has had one or two you know, opportunities. He spits opinion, even though I know Andy Farrell's a big fan of his. Craig Casey's show great potential. So, but a, a guy that has has been as good as Doak has been in his first few games, and he's. He's taking over from arguably Ulster's player of the last couple of seasons in John Cooney, and he hasn't been missed. That that's reason to get excited, and um, yeah, I think he's he's well, he'll definitely get one more cap than his old man, but um, he's um, he's he's definitely one for um, for the next you know, number of years. Yeah, poor old Craig Casey. Well, I said poor old Craig Casey. He is in the squad, but twenty two, and he's like uh, still here. Not yesterday's man for the nineteen year old just yet. I know, I know, but all he can do, let's see, the thing Craig Casey needs to do is he needs to oust Conor Murray from the Munster jersey. That's what Peter Stringer did um, when he broke into the international scene. He got in ahead of Brian O'Mara and Tom Tierney. That's going back. There's names that people won't, won't uh, remember 20 plus years ago. 
But when you get yourself into your provincial team and you're bringing a particular USP, which was Strings' pass and his ability to get it to Raj, you know, quicker than anybody else and gave him the right platform. Well, Doak has to find a USP as well, or Craig Casey has to find a USP. He's got a bullet pass, makes good decisions, nice box kicker. So he just has to, in those clutch games, have bigger moments than Connor Murray and forge his way into the team. That's how he's got a much better opportunity to playing for Ireland if he's playing first, um, if he's playing the number nine jersey for Munster, first of all. I'm sure Connacht fans, as usual, are looking at this squad uh, and a little bit frustrated at the lack of Connacht names there. Uh, Paul Boyle is someone I think you'd identified in the first few weeks of the season who had put himself in a really strong position. Is it just unfortunate when you look at that back row, there's so many options that are there at the moment. It's just going to be hard to break in. I just think that's it. You know, I, I was really impressed with him at the weekend. He's kind of nuggety, he's got skills, good ball carrying. I saw some quotes from Andy's friends saying he's still discovering his size at 24 years of age. Um, I don't know a lot about Paul Boyle other than what I've watched over the course of the last season or so, um, but but I think that was a real standout performance for me. Um, and he's he's just very unfortunate when you're looking at the quality of the back, that back row. Again, another guy that's really uh, played well in the early parts of the of the year probably got in ahead of him is Nick Timoney who also has a, a similar versatility to playing you know pretty much across the back row um Van der Fleer is playing very well um you know Peter Oman he's always going to be in there Doris so Conan like it's it it is a strong position we've always historically we've always been strong in the back row and I don't think this squad is any different so I do feel for him, but he just has to keep playing away. And again, the, the, the difficult thing and frustrating thing for, for Connacht at the moment is that you, how, do you, how do you get into, um, into, your, into your national team? Well, be in a winning side in your provincial setup. It's, you know, whatever about playing as individuals, if you play as a collective, you will individually shine. And I think that's where maybe they've just come unstuck because they've only won, was it one of the first four and all of a sudden, they 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 you know they don't want to lose ground on everybody else, um, and that's maybe why there's it's reflected in a in a small uh, was it four maybe five um, players from from their squad. Jack Conan's on his way back then from the Lions for for Leinster at the moment. Do you want to see a different Jack Conan when he comes back with Ireland now that he's a Lion? He starts all three tests that actually. You know, he's saying to Andy Farrell, like, that's my jersey. Usually when we talk about Jack Conan, he's, he, he, even with Ireland, he's always just been on the fringe and there might be someone else slightly ahead. But actually taking that confidence of coming back, of being the line, could hopefully transform. Exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's having a bit of a strut about you, not in an arrogant way, but a bit of a, this is this is where I belong. It's taken me, I've kind of taken the circuitous route to actually get here. Now the CJ standard's gone. But, you know, what I've done in the last four, five months has signified that I am the man in possession. I've been a Lions test starting number eight and I did a, you know, pretty good or represented myself and, um, and Lencer in Ireland very well in doing that. So I, I am the guy to take the jersey off. Also, you know, you look at his first performance of the weekend, he, he offers something a bit different than 
lots of the other eights. You know, he's got serious speed when he gets going. Um, he, he really reminds me of the olden days. I keep going through this is a real throwback show to um, to to my era of Victor Coslo, who you know wasn't in the shape that that Jack Conan is in physically, but was incredibly explosive. So. Um, yeah, I, I think he's developed his handling game. His offloading is vastly improved. I saw him absolutely annihilate someone in a rook. Um, Garrett Davis, I think it was, was, a, was going in for a jackal and he nearly put his head through his backside. And it's that sort of level of aggression that maybe in the past I wouldn't have associated with Jack Conan, that maybe there was a thought that maybe he, you know, he didn't have that really horrible, nasty edge. But it's, it's great to see that it feels as though that's been slightly refined. And, the, and what he will have learned away on the Lions tour and having watched Sam Simmons and having watched, um, you know, Maro Toji and their level of professionalism and taking the aspects of their game or their warm up or their, you know, the things that they practice, you know, training or off the field, be it the mental side of the game, video analysis, all of that. You come back as from a Lions tour, you're a different person, you have a different perspective of the game and you need to pour all of that knowledge into your international team. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about Sam Simmons and the Exeter players and was asking who he hung around with and who he was trying to gain info from. And he said he spent almost all the time with the Exeter lads that were around the line squad. He just seemed to fall in with them somehow and did seem to have that that maturity, I guess, going out that this was a big opportunity for him to not mm. just play his way into the team, which he did, but also to come back and and learn a lot so yeah it's going to be really exciting to see what Jack Conan does uh, you mentioned his return then for Leinster so uh, Leinster after whew, underperforming over in Wales just a 7-6 win against Dragons uh, have bounced back by putting uh, together what, 93 points in their last two games against Zebra and then 50 against Scarlets uh, the weekend you're picking holes in Leinster when they're winning games so easily almost and the question is their season is judged on knockout stage of the Champions Cup can they learn enough from these games that will benefit them later in the season when it looks from the outside to be just so easy? Um, yeah, I, I think I think the games that they will look forward to playing are the are the derby games and the physicality that they'll come up against uh, against Connacht Ulster and and Munster, but also when they go on the road to um, to South Africa and they'll see very different teams and a de- very different style of rugby. And I think where they've come unstuck is they've they've made perhaps. Um, been seen to be beaten in the collision zone, whereas at the moment they're they're having the game. Well, certainly the last couple of weeks they've been able to play the game they've wanted to, and even making lots of errors and throwing passes on the ground and on you know spilling ball. But yet in all of that, they still managed to get away seventeen offloads. Now put that in comparison to the monster performance against Scarlet, which was a similar scoreline. I think that the. the the, the difference was much the same between the two teams, but Munster got eight offloads and they played what looked like a pretty elaborate offloading style. So if you think about double the amount of offloads and the amount that didn't stick, there's a real focus in changing the point of attack and limiting the amount of rooks. Whereas in previous years, Leinster and Ireland were very you know, rook focused of just going through the phases and grinding teams down. Now it's really an opportunity to express yourself. And guys are throwing, the, throwing passes and offloads that you never associated with that in the past. Um, does does that not Maloney, worry you in, in terms of that, of 
of no, how much you're actually learning it. No, if they're if they're throwing it in games, it means they're confident. Sorry, oh sorry, but like all you can do is play against the opposition you're up against. I think in it, the thing about the off about offloading is you offload pre-contact or after contact, not on contact. Only the very best. Sonny Bill Williams was able to offload in the middle of being hit. So you have to win the collision zone or you have to pass before the collision zone to get the ball away. And I guess over the course of the season, they have to learn what ones not to throw. Um, and that's part of the journey as well, particularly as they're learning new skill sets. And some of these guys are natural offloaders, some guys aren't. And so that learned skill, they then have to decipher whether it's the opportunity to throw the 50-50, whether it's, whether it's worth the risk or not. Um, whether there's support players and, and the more time you find yourself in those situations the more times you'll be able to compute it quicker to be able to identify what the scenario looks like to be able to stick the pass look for a rook long body or to throw that little one out the back door where you feel as though there's someone going to be coming on at a head of, head of steam so that's all part of playing matches but they're clearly doing it every single day at training because you, you would not have the confidence to throw offloads like they're throwing at the moment unless you were given scope to do it and unless you were doing it a lot of training. To bring it all back to where we started then, one of the big success stories for Leinster so far has been Kieran Crawley, who is in Andy Farrell's squad, uh, in there in the centre, 23 at this stage, so not a, not a you know, player who's primed, primed to perform. Uh, what have you made of him so far? Yeah, I like the look of Raleigh. Um, I I think, you know, he's obviously needed to um, find an alternative position um, to, to play because of the assembly line of out-halves, be it the two Burns, be it Johnny, and all of a sudden um, you've got a, a different type of player, you know, in your squad if he's in at playing 12. Um, he looks as though he's put on a little bit of size, but he could probably put on a little bit more. He's never going to be a Robbie Henshaw type ball carrier in into collision, but he's got agility and footwork that can still get him advantage line. But he, it's you know, we used to always have a thing about trying to get the best passers as the second distributor. So sometimes I'd get in as first receiver and throw the ball out to Raj or to Johnny because they had the better range of passing. Um, and so it's lovely to have Johnny at 10 or somebody else at 10 and then um, and then Frawley in at second receiver um, and being able to flash those 15, 20 meter passes that are right on the money. I know everyone should be a good passer, but they're, they're still better passers than others. That's the way of the world it's in any sport. Someone that, that just has that skill set that's significantly better. And Frawley's a beautiful passer of the ball. He's right on the money. It's rarely inside shoulder, out in front. Um, when it needs to be and and so he he does read the game very well like a 10 and to have that opportunity of understanding space one one stage out will create more opportunities for his back three players for sure who was the best passer you played with um i think johnny's a phenomenal passer a phenomenal passer johnny wilkinson was an excellent passer as well um jordy murphy brilliant passer of the ball so um, any of those guys, um, yeah. If I don't include Raj into that mix, he'll be to me. So will I? Will I say him? But I think is it the is it the pace, the flight, the timing, all of it? It's all of those things. It's all of those things. It's the whip. It's 
it's the vision to be able to throw. You see so often, you know, how many of those passes that Johnny now with defense is shooting, that he's able to hold it for a little bit longer and then float the ones over the top. Um, I think that's a real point of difference for him. Wilkinson, it was again, it was a different time because, you know, I don't think he necessarily took it to the line quite the same way um, or was as much of a threat himself, whereas I think Johnny's ability to still take it to the line, even though he might have lost a yard of pace, take it to the line. And if you lead, let him go, he will take the break and he'll get his offload away behind your back. So, um, and then Jordy Murphy, you know, he didn't have to throw too many long passes because of where he was. But if he got in at first receiver, you just knew that you were, he was going to throw it out in front of you if that's where you wanted. Um, so I had a good, I'd a, I'd, with Raj, I had a really nice understanding with him he knew how to throw. We used to have a call, a play called um, Frano. And I'll, t- I'll tell you the little story about that really quickly before we do go. When I came into the squad, first of all, Eric Elwood started calling me Frano because I was injured for this first one. I was like, oh, Frano used to come into camp, Neil France. <laughs> he used to come into camp and he was always injured, but then he'd play the games. And it just, I was like, oh, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake this nickname. I was like, this is a disaster. So anyway, you know, or we, I get into the camp uh, or I get my first cap and all of a sudden the flat one pass of me just breaking on the outside was known as a Frano. And, and then it stayed for 20 years. Like, wow. It was still a Frano by the time, yeah. So Raj and I used to, we, we literally just go Frano and it might seem very simple, but he used to be able to throw a pass. It would be hard enough where I could drift on it or if the defense came at me, I could hit it short. So... It's just about understanding the space, but him also knowing what type of pass he was throwing to me to allow me to do two different things, to to take someone on on the inside shoulder or just wait for them to charge up and then just glide with the pass and take it really late with one hand. So it's enough airtime to not throw it like a rocket, but at the same time, get it to you where you're not waiting for the pass to get to you. So to allow the defense to, to kind of counter their initial um, movements. Now we learn something new every day. Uh, all our rugby and off the ball is a thanks to Vodafone, official sponsor of the Irish rugby team, team of us, everyone in. Thanks, Frano. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Was there a little bit of anger every time Frano was shouted amongst both of you? What's he writing about us this week? I don't know. The, the, the less said about all of that, the better. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, it's it's one that I, I have to say, I've been called lots of things in my life, but that, that would... That would be not high on my register of things I've enjoyed. Brian, great stuff as always. Uh, if you're listening on the radio on this Friday night, you can get exclusive access to Brian O'Driscoll 24 hours early on the OTB Sports app. Uh, just download the app now from the App Store. Subscribe to all our rugby podcasts. And you definitely want to be there over the next few weeks. Talk to you soon, Brian. Cheers, Nathan. Talk to you later. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in. When I'm out in the public, or I'm doing shopping, or I'm going for coffee, I want to be able to finish my sentences. I want to be understood without being humiliated or dismissed. I want to be able to talk and express my opinions and feelings openly without being ridiculed or told to hurry up.
Because we're all human means we're all equal. Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission. Learn more at ihrec.ie.